podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's Thursday morning, I'm assuming, in your neck of the woods, and I'm here with the boss man. Hey. Surrounded by four race cars, all of the same make and model in uh, your garage here in Austin, Texas. We are in the shop. Yeah. Glad you came. It's good times, man. They're all the same make and model because I have reached peak Miata at this point. I have <laughs> I have nothing more to learn. What's a Miata? Well, you might as well let us know. A Mazda Miata was a sports car. I think the first one was actually considered in 1989. Yeah. And they continued to make them. They made over a million of them. It's, I'd say, the most popular sports car in the world in terms of production numbers. I have quite a few. But, you know, if you came here three weeks ago, I had more. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> You're cleaning up your act before I got to town? Yeah. Well, we're here this weekend in Austin, Texas, to meet with a bunch of entrepreneurs. I can't wait. And... One of the things that, you know, we bump into entrepreneurs that listen to this show all the time. We were having dinner the other night and I was like, man, I keep hearing this one issue. There's one issue that listeners of this show bring to me almost more than any other. Let's put aside like the mindset stuff, you know, which I think everybody has something to improve in terms of mindset and something to gain there. But in terms of business mechanics, I haven't really thought this through, so I'm just going to put it out there and say this might be the number one issue that listeners of this podcast bring to me. And we haven't done a podcast on this topic in four years, so we're going to dust it off, revamp the concept, and re-deliver it here today. Hope to save some people some time and some money listening to this show today. I'll tell you what, I know what we're talking about today, and you hyped it so hard that I forgot, and I got re-excited about what we're talking about, so I'm ready, man. All right, it's something I like to call the knowledge gap versus the efficiency gap. And here's the problem. When people want to start a business, and this is people in general, this includes me and you, by the way. No one's immune to this. We tend to want to solve a knowledge gap instead of an efficiency gap. Yet, it is paradoxical for our business success because businesses that solve an efficiency gap versus a knowledge gap tend to be more profitable, successful, and fulfilling for the owners to run. This is just my anecdotal experience, but I met thousands of entrepreneurs, so I feel like I got to say it. And again, there's exceptions to every rule, but I hope this episode can be a little bit of inspiration, maybe a gut check, maybe a spark of a discussion, whatever it is, let's say it because we've both seen it. So give me an example of a business that's solving the problem of uh, knowledge gap versus efficiency gap. So a knowledge gap service or product, and let's focus on services because I think it's a little bit more common and a little bit easier to understand. So a business that solves a knowledge gap would come into a company that doesn't already fully understand the power of your service, its ability to revolutionize their business that doesn't already invest in that service. The knowledge gap is that as an entrepreneur, you come in and you sort of educate them and you say, look, if you had my service, 
you'd be able to X, Y, and Z and your business would be better, so-and-so. So you have to fill in a bit of a knowledge gap. You let them know like what you're capable of, what your firm can do, and how that's going to be great for them. I'm looking outside, Dan. I see a lot of grass, a lot of weeds actually in my yard. <laughs> and I'm thinking about getting myself a new zero-turn tractor. You know, as the tractor store owner, you've got needs. You're trying to sell a bunch of tractors. I come in to your store and I'm trying to sell you SEO. So I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be great if you guys didn't have to stand outside with this sign? Wouldn't it be great if people just found you on the internet and they came into your store and you were able to sell them a zero turn? Yeah, sure would be great. And I'll listen to your spiel all day long because I want to make more money just like any business owner. That's the knowledge gap. That'd be an example, yeah, of a knowledge gap. An efficiency gap would be a service, in this case, or a product, that identifies target customers and clients that are already valuing in the sense of real investment, okay? So in other words, it's part of their core competency. It's part of their core investment strategy. It's part of how they generate revenues and profits and customers. And they're already doing those things. And you come in as an entrepreneur and say, hey, you guys are already doing SEO really well, and you're experts at SEO and you're great at it, if you brought me on, I would optimize your time and resources already directed at that investment. Okay. So going back to the tractor analogy, lawnmower analogy, I've got this uh, zero turn lawnmower business, right? (laughs) This is great. People are like, wow, this is a, we are definitely in left field. We're definitely in Austin, Texas right now. (laughs) It's got to be relevant, man. I'm staring at all these weeds. I've got a business and I not only do I sell tractors, I also service them. Yeah. And I've got the Blade Sharpener 10,000 in my shop right now. Yep. Point being with the efficiency gap here, though, is that we, within 10 seconds, we're already speaking the same language. Like, you understand my problems. I'm selling you the product. Like, I understand your problems probably better than you do because I'm in the business of fixing these blades. It's not like SEO, not like coming in and saying, the owner of the store, if it's a knowledge gap, the owner of the store, oh yeah, I kind of heard about this thing called SEO. And immediately you're the expert, you know everything there is, you're kind of talking down to the owner. Right. When you're trying to sell them this blade sharpener, you guys are on the same page immediately. We're going to share five reasons why people get caught up in this differential and what we can do about them as entrepreneurs to make sure that our businesses are successful. Before we do that, stop me if I get too philosophical here, but I want to talk about your example and like why the mechanics that underlie why it happens. Because you said you're already on the same page. You already understand each other. But that implies that because you can understand each other's words, that solving that efficiency gap is going to do what we're saying it's going to do, which is ultimately create a better business. I don't think that's quite right in an important way, which is why this distinction is so incredibly important, which is most of us don't know why our businesses are successful. We can't actually talk about it that effectively. It's like there's this layer of data and information and words that lay on top that are trying to describe these very complex things that happen below that data and words that is actually what, where the success is, right? So part of why this concept is important is that it's not about like that flowing conversation that is actually going to lead to the success. It's the actual resources and like the for lack of a better term like synergies and connections that are going to happen below like also, you know, I'm coming into your tractor store and I'm trying to sell you SEO, but the truth is like you might not want two times as many customers coming through the door. 
well, I might nod my head when you say, would you want to make more profit? Well, yeah, I want to make more profit. Do you understand that SEO can make you more profit? Yeah, I'll say that I understand it. I'm going to vibe with you the whole way through. But that doesn't mean that like I'm in any position to maximize on that knowledge. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, who's not going to sit there as a business owner and listen to somebody tell them they can make more money? We're actually going to do four points, and then I got some sort of incendiary discussions to have afterwards. So let's start with these four points as to why people get caught up on this. The first one is a lack of confidence. This may be the most common one, and so we'll lead with it, is that one of the great things about services is that you can cook them up in a weekend. You know, we talk about productized services on the show, and it's a business that you can start next week if you know you can help somebody. Well, now all of a sudden, if I put it that way, you're already thinking, well, I probably should be helping somebody that knows a little bit less than me. Eh, That's wrong. That's wrong. People even teach it. We might have even taught it on the show. I don't know. There's this term relative expertise, which says you just need to know a little bit more than the person that you're helping. And so in my case, you know, I can walk into so many businesses and say, particularly if they're like a local business or like a immature business or whatever, and say, man, these people would benefit so much from what I know relative to what they know. Again, tractor store SEO. You walk into the tractor store though, and you try and sell them a new set of tractor tires. (laughs) Who do you think is going to know more about tractor tires based on an eight week crash course that you took on Google? (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you're going to miss something about tractor tires. But Here's the thing, it's like really seductive, right? To take that eight-week crash course on SEO and walk into that tractor store because it's so easy to know more than that tractor store owner does. It's very hard to know more about tires than that tractor store owner does because he's been doing it for 20 years. He understands the supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. It's also not real confidence, right? Real confidence is being able to aim up and to challenge yourself and to be willing to operate in the unknown a little bit. So if you walk into a firm that specializes in SEO and really depends on it and say, hey, maybe I don't know as much about SEO as you guys, but I'm willing to do this one thing that I focus on, right? I focus on a very small part of SEO that if you guys optimized and put it out of house instead of in-house, that it would benefit your overall SEO efforts. That takes real confidence. You know, It's sort of sham confidence to walk into a business that doesn't actually care about what you're doing and just say, well, I'm a genius. It's brilliant. You guys should do it. You know, That's not the kind of confidence that's going to lead to long-term success. The next reason, number two, is a lack of competence, which is something you alluded to earlier. One of the things I've noticed amongst entrepreneurs is if they're focusing down because they've done the eight-week crash course, you know, they read a couple books, read, like they're the sum total of the last 15 blog posts they read on the topic or whatever, they don't actually have that confidence where they can see to the core of how things work in their industry. They can tend to have a little bit of contempt actually for their clients. They'll look at potential industries and clients and they'll just shake their heads and say, man, I can't believe that, you know, local youth sporting organizations don't have any working knowledge of social media and how it could benefit their organizations, you know? And if you catch yourself as a services entrepreneur having contempt for your target market, in my experience, it's more likely an indication that you don't actually understand what those organizations are all about. Or where the value is being created. Exactly. And you don't understand what their values are. You're critiquing them from a point of view of like what you value, which is 
a social media optimized sort of marketing funnel. It's really silly, but it's a gut check. If you feel that contempt, it's probably a mask around your lack of understanding of that industry and what it's really doing in the world and why those people that run those complex organizations, by the way, aren't motivated to do what you think they ought to be doing. You can't just read a couple books. I love this tractor example because I'm all about these tractors. You are obsessed with it. It's two acres of grass to mow, man. It's a lot. Let me tell you. The tractor guy too, what's interesting about him is that dealership has been there for 30 years. Like It's been there for 30 years. It's seen two recessions. And you come in there and you say like, you know how I can grow your business? You know what you guys really need around here? And you're looking at this guy, you know, he has like the city slicker outfit on or whatever. You're like, what do we really need? (laughs) Please tell me. (laughs) Here's the thing about competence is that it's hard to gain and it's often not gained by, you know, research. And when you're just getting started, it can be tough. So one way you can do this is you can you know, embed yourself in an organization that's really good at the types of services and products you want to offer. Yeah, it's long ball. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you might have to have something akin to a job or an apprenticeship or whatever, or like a full-time freelance gig, but that's the kind of competence and ability to interact with people in that industry and speak their language and like the deepest levels about how things get done that's going to make the difference in the long run for your business. And look, maybe a little bit of pain at the beginning, but in the long run, you're going to end up with a successful business. That's different than two years into it, wondering why all your clients are so dumb that they don't value all the amazing knowledge that you picked up from reading a couple books. You know, that's not what it's going to take. There's not a business that doesn't benefit from friendly, live customer support on the phone. And many of us are missing that chance to connect with our customers and to bring in new ones. That's where Ruby receptionists come in. They guarantee that all your calls will be answered by a live, friendly team of remote receptionists, giving you the freedom and flexibility to work the way you want. Ruby's mobile app and customer site keep you informed and in control wherever you go. And their charming live receptionists help you secure customers and build trust. All you need to run your business is Ruby and a cell phone. From their offices in Portland, Oregon, Ruby delivers exceptional experiences to your callers by answering calls live in English or Spanish, transferring calls, taking messages, addressing common questions, making follow-up calls, and more just like an in-house receptionist at a fraction of the cost. Most importantly, they sound like you're sitting in your office. To learn more and to get started, visit us online at callruby.com. Or better yet, give them a call, 855-389-LIVE. Check it out for yourself. Call 855-389-LIVE. Big thanks to Ruby Receptionists for sponsoring the TMBA podcast. All right, the next reason, Ian, point number three, is a perceived low barrier to entry. Again, this idea, perceived low barrier to entry. When you walk into the tractor store, SEO, search engine optimization. We either got to flesh the tractor store out or we got to get rid of it because I'm getting sick of this tractor store. Who's running the tractor store? Abe. Me. Old Ian. I'd like to have a tractor store one day. (laughs) I'm getting out of the SEO business. All right, so I'm the city slicker walking into Old Ian's tractor depot. Correct. And I have a perceived low barrier to entry. I think you ought to 
buy this in a heartbeat because why wouldn't you? You don't know anything about the web. I have 10 other clients. Why on earth would old Ian and his tractor depot want to get signed up, man? I'm going to, I'm going to have people coming in the front door like crazy. Because I've never done it and because the barbecues that we hold on Sundays always bring everybody out that I want to see, my friends, family, all that, right? I've never been interested in SEO, whatever this is, search engine optimization. I don't need the web in my business. It becomes a hard sell, right? Well, I'll tell you, it even gets worse when old Ian thinks that he does need SEO in his business, right? All of a sudden, old Dan's not performing. You came in here. You made me all these promises. Ian's used to keeping his people on a pretty short lease, right? So all of a sudden, Ian's in your inbox, in your eardrum <laughs> every other day to asking about this service, you know? And it's like, he's not used to managing suppliers like you. And he's not used to evaluating ROI in these situations. He's not used to seeing it. That's the thing. It all boils down to like the mechanic of this is that Ian's tractor shop, even if it's true that there would be more clients coming in, Ian... And I don't like using the term Ian because now I'm confused about who's going on. I'm running the tractor store. Okay, you're running the tractor store. So here's the thing about you as a tractor store guy is that you don't actually know how to value those services at its core. Like you don't know how to judge your ROI. You don't know how to manage me as a supplier. Like your business isn't set up for that. So I think everybody can relate to that. Everybody has a friend who did great for a client and that client, you know, they decide to treat you poorly. Right. You're like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I came in, your store's in Austin. I promise you all these leads from the surrounding area. You're getting phone calls from Dallas and Houston and all these places. And you're not actually selling them tractors because you're not set up to be able to ship your tractors outside of Austin. So what a great thing Dan's done. And Dan thinks he's the best in the world because he's brought me all these clients from the surrounding areas. And I'm not able to capitalize on it because I don't have the right infrastructure to do so. You know what this boils down to? It boils down to humility and how it can actually affect the success of a business idea. Because if you're humble, you'll look out there at the world and say, the world knows so much more than I do. And so what you ought to do rather than, quote, knowing about your product or service is observe how value sort of circulates around the world. It's a little bit of what that Seth Godin book, Meatball Sunday. And in fact, it's exactly that. You're trying to go to like this whole other intelligence and trying to like put a cherry on top of this lawnmower store and it does not need a cherry. So getting back to the point here, which is a low barrier to entry, I think it can seem like what a great idea for you to sell me in the tractor business, this SEO that I know nothing about, right? Well, what a great opportunity. Like no one's stepped across the front door before and like shown this person the possibilities of the World Wide Web and like all its virtues and things like that. But there's an intelligence to that. There's a reason why old Ian doesn't have SEO. And don't try to spend your time figuring out that reason. That's what we're saying. Point number four, overvaluing psychological KPIs. Okay, so key progress indicators. And it's, of course, of a, a bit of a joke there because I don't know if we have... Well, I'm sure there are psychological KPIs nowadays versus real business KPIs. And this is also a short-term versus a long-term focus. So I can share with you an example. Does it have to do with tractors? Because uh, <laughs> that's pretty much all I can think about. I will right also now. use a local business. But I could imagine anybody that I see is getting started out in something and that they have so much upside and potential. You walk into... How many people on this podcast have not walked into some kind of business or seen something online and immediately your first thought is, if I own that business, it would be so much better. I cannot tell you how many emails I've written 
just like that. I cannot tell you how many emails I've received that are like that. If I owned, <laughs> if I was running your podcast, it would be so much better, guys. And it may well be that could that's actually probably true in a lot of cases, right? Ian, five years ago, was every time I bought something from an e-commerce site, I was like, hey, guys, I don't know if you're hip to this, but uh, <laughs> this is the best platform. We sell way more than you do. I know a lot more than you do. Please update this. I'm tired of buying from you because of this. Now, why is this a problem? Because what happens when you walk into that local store? So say you sit down with the tractor guy or the bike shop owner or the new services business that's just getting started. You ran a services business for three years, you know, and you're making half a mil a year or whatever. You sit down with that person and all of a sudden that psychology gets popping off. The lights start going because they're like, oh my gosh, this person knows so much. I imagine that Ian back at the lawnmower store He's pumped. He wants to hear about how you're going to make him all this money. He wants to have this conversation. Of course, maybe not be able to value it ultimately in terms of money or profits. But sure, let's talk about how my life could be different. Let's talk about how it could be better. Let's talk about how we all could become rich together. This is fun conversation. And this is, in many ways, it's very real. Like, yeah, it's probably real that if he invested in SEO or whatever, like, it's a conversation that can give you momentum, confidence that can make you feel valued about yourself great things. There's a problem. We haven't even mentioned your business, its success, or its durability. And the reality is that those conversations do not lead to successful businesses. They're separate, but it's easy to conflate them. And because those are short-term things that feel good, people that say they value you. That's very different from walking into a boardroom or fighting to get the audience of someone who is more established or having the competence the confidence and the focus and the vision to be able to, you know, exist in that conversation, to understand what's going on and to sell them on something that maybe you walk out of there and you don't feel great about it. You're like, holy shit, I sold them something. Right. Or <laughs> you had a little competition. So you you walk into the tractor store, like you said, I don't know anything about SEO. And then we all have a great conversation about how successful this is going to be, whatever. Two years down the line, everybody's upset with each other because everybody walked out of that first meeting with such false hope about what would happen. Now, let's imagine you walk into my tractor store and I already have SEO. I saw tractors all over the country. Here's what happened. You actually started a tractor community and it got so successful that you went around buying up all the local tractor stores in the areas in which your community was the strongest. So you're a marketer. You already understand all this stuff. You're, this is a real estate play for you at this point. Let's say all that's true. And you come in and you're trying to sell me your services for building a better community. Okay. Now there's some competition. Now we're coming in with a competence, right? Yeah. You have an idea about how to make this better. Well, it's what you're looking at every Friday morning when your bookkeeper sends you your books. You're already used to looking at all the KPIs. Your entire enterprise is set up to value these services. So if the service is truly beneficial, you're willing to make that investment over and over and over again. And that's sustainable in the same way, by the way, that these businesses would invest in staff to do these things. So it's an interesting question. Maybe a little mini thought experiment you could run is, do they already have someone hired to do something similar to what I want to sell them? That's often the case, right? Do you already have someone doing SEO for your company? The answer is yes. Then, okay, now I'm going to show you how I can do it better. Here's an objection that many listeners are going to have in that situation. They're going to say, well, why would I compete with an employee? And what we're trying to say is like, 
They already value the system. Yeah, from the outside, that looks more complex. But what people who are already putting time and money into those things they want to do, they want to accelerate it. And people will say they'll have a confidence issue. They'll say, I don't even know as much as that employee maybe knows about their business. It's not all about knowledge for people seeking efficiency. That's the importance between the knowledge gap and the efficiency gap. What they're seeking to do is become more efficient. That means if that employee can become more efficient in any way, because they're a huge cost center, then you've won. You don't actually need to know things. That's why it's not ultimately at the end of the day about confidence. It's about the mechanics of how businesses operate and how people value their operation. And this is also a reason, you know, I get product ideas from time to time. Somebody says, nobody else is doing it. First time I hear that, I'm like, oh, that's a problem, right? That's the correlated problem in the product space. Absolutely. Yeah. People don't understand it yet. There hasn't been education around it. There hasn't been information around it. So you know what you're going to spend the first three years doing? Educating the market. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come in and sell a better product than you. So the thought experiment with products is if you catch yourself saying the world doesn't need another blank, maybe it doesn't need one, but it probably wants one. <laughs> and it will probably sustain one too. Fair. Ian, we had a, like a couple discussion points here at the end. We just wanted to kick back and forth some ideas related to this distinction. Yeah, I mean, I think this distinction, we've mostly been talking about service-based industries and a little bit of product, but there's this thing also where you know people are selling information to people that want to get into business. So I have an eight-week course on how to do X and how to get you up to speed and quit your job or whatever it might be. Yeah. So when you're kind of thumbing through these products, a lot of them are really successful. And so I guess the, one of the questions that we started to talk about was, do they solve a knowledge gap or do they solve an efficiency gap? Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure it out. And so I'm interested to ask the listeners and you, is this something that's kind of in between or does it fit into one of the categories? I have two thoughts about it. The first is not related to the knowledge and efficiency gap. The first is that Generally speaking, in order to successfully do this, which is empower non-entrepreneurs with money-making opportunities, for that sort of thing, it doesn't need to be that niche, you need to have a large audience, a very large audience. And in fact, I wrote an article about this many, many years ago called Selling the Dream or like Selling Make Money Online Products to Beginners and Other Internet Marketing Fallacies. So the people who teach this technique are people at the top of the marketplace, and they think it works because A, it's compelling, whatever. It doesn't matter why they think it works. The whole point is that it works for them because they have a large audience. If you actually wanted to make money selling make money opportunities to entrepreneurs online, you would do better per audience member selling to the middle or the top of the market. That's solving an efficiency gap not a knowledge gap. So that's the first way to answer the question. The second thing is that these highly focused products that are very compelling, that say like a $500 course on how to set up your first affiliate marketing website, it's not necessarily properly solving a knowledge gap. Because the way it's positioned is, it's positioned for people who are highly focused on generating a side income. And they're regularly looking for those opportunities they're regularly investing in those kinds of opportunities. So in that sense, if you go to them and say, hey, you want this outcome anyway, you're already actively investing to become a $2,000 a month side business product owner. If you give me $500, I'll get you there six months faster. So 
it's another way of thinking like you're focusing in on that efficiency, which is there's a cash flow there. They're already investing. They're already directed towards it. I'm going to accelerate it, and therefore it's an efficiency. Can I talk about tractors again real quick here? I got a parallel here. This is a 360 turn tractor right off the side of the episode. They call it zero turn, by the way. (laughs) I own this tractor shop, and I'm trying to change tires. And I have a tire changing machine because tires wear out on the tractor, right? You come into my shop, and you're wearing, again, a city slicker outfit. And you say, hey, man, here's the thing. I see the way you're changing tires. Looking pretty good over there. For 10000 bucks, so I'll teach you how to change that tire much faster than you're changing it right now. And I say, oh, are you going to bring in another machine? And you go, mm, maybe. And I go, are you going to whisper in my ear? Mm, <laughs> maybe. Are you going to sell me a podcast? What's it going to be, man? How am I actually going to do that? And you say, well, you're going to have to click the button. You're going to have to really believe, number one. But I guarantee it. But I guarantee it, right. It would be easy to say, you guys are playing fast and loose with this definition here, but the difference between that make money online product, which is build your first affiliate website in 60 days, that's so much different than me coming in the tractor shop and saying, you're going to get more clients and it's going to benefit your business. I promise I'll do a great job and me and you are going to have a working relationship and understanding together. That is totally different than saying, hey, you want something already, get there faster, give me 500 bucks, we're never going to talk again. They're different things, you know? And so if you've got the former or the latter, you can behave differently. But here's one of the interesting things I just thought of when I brought that up is that the services thing is non-falsifiable, which is to say that regardless of what Tractor Ian says, you don't really know whether it's a win or a fail for a very long time. But at least if you're selling the $500, let's all sell multi-level marketing together kind of thing, you know right away whether they yes or no. And there's a virtue to that in any business. And one of the things you alluded to earlier is if you're working with people that are experienced in valuing this stuff, a lot more straight talk, a lot less hope, a lot more reality, and that's what's going to translate to your bottom line. One other discussion point we wanted to talk about, and you brought this up, which is why bet your business on your client's not gaining knowledge. Yeah. So walking into the ice cream store, because I'm tired of tractors. I am so tired of tractors, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Walk into the ice cream store and, you know, you try and talk a little machines, right? So it's like, hey, uh, guys, I see you're using the uh, XR1000 here. That's not really pumping enough air into the ice cream. By the way, if you use the XR1500... Deal is we pump in like 50% more air, it's less vanilla, all this stuff saves you some money. Right. It's the soft serve they're all raving about nowadays. It's the soft serve with air that everybody... I like soft serve with bubbles, by the way. That's how I like my water. (laughs) But you don't tell people how to get there necessarily. So you say like, look, man, there's a solution. It's actually not the XR15. There's a solution out there and this is how you get there. And the problem with that as an ice cream owner... And as somebody that's like looking to solve those kinds of problems is eventually I will get to that solution. Yeah. And you're here to help me right now, but I don't know how much I'm going to value that in the future. Like I can probably go figure out that information. And if I find out that I overpaid for that information from you, I'm going to be really pissed off about it. Exactly. Which people might think they want to pay for knowledge, but they actually want to, like they're more willing from an organizational point of view to pay for efficiency. And so if you're betting against your clients learning what you know, that's like a crappy place to be in life and in business. So don't do it. 
empower your clients to know more than you. And in fact, imagine what it would be that they did know more than you. I want to get to a, a real story here real quick. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not about ice cream or tractors. You said something about the 10 blog posts that you've read. I had somebody approach me recently about something that we were doing and they said, oh, you should be doing this, right? And like two days later, I read the blog post that they cited. This is the information gap, the knowledge gap, right? And I went and it wasn't that person that wrote that article. So I just said, oh, okay, so I'm like nine blog posts behind you on this topic. And you know, over time, I'll figure out how to find those, right? Right. It's a bummer as a business owner when I get something like that because you're not giving me real insight into what's going on or the future. Like you said, you're just nine blog posts ahead of me. And don't bet that your customers and your clients won't catch up with you. They will. And when they do, they're going to be super pissed off because the only value you've been providing is reciting blog posts, right? Bet on this. Bet that when your clients get educated, when they get smarter and better, they're going to be all the more able to value what you're doing for them. That's the bottom line. That's the knowledge gap versus the efficiency gap. We got to go meet up with some DCers for dinner. It's DC Austin time, man. So we got to put down the mics, put down the fake examples of weird <laughs> local businesses in Austin, Texas. These are real businesses, and- <laughs> man. <laughs> All right, boss, man. Thanks for joining us this week. And we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.